Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is real estate reporter Brooklyn Hahn to talk about the commission lawsuits. More lawsuits are filed every week, and Brooklyn is going to give us the latest update. Brooklyn, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It is great to have you, especially on this topic. I just have to give you kudos. So you have been like a one-woman show on this mostly, uh, talking about the commission lawsuits that started, you know, some of them, of course, started years ago. But this year, our coverage uh, in 2023, starting in 2023, our coverage has just ramped up. And that's because, of course, we had that uh, Sister Burnett trial where the plaintiff, the defendants were found liable for collusion. And since then, we've had so many copycat lawsuits. So wanted to say good work, but also maybe give us a, 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 you know, a little bit of an understanding of the scope of this, because I am amazed when I start talking to people that many people, they just kind of know commission lawsuits, but they don't really know what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, thank you so much. It's been definitely an adventure covering all of these lawsuits. It's uh, when I started covering the real estate industry, I didn't know exactly how much legal reporting I would get to do. Um, And so it's been a lot of fun and definitely a learning curve. But I feel like I'm definitely hitting my stride now, especially with antitrust law. But yeah, in October on, on Halloween, we had the uh, verdicts come out in the Sitzer Burnett lawsuit. As you said, the National Association of Realtors, Keller Williams, and Home Services of America were found liable for colluding to artificially inflate real estate agent commissions. Um, we're currently still waiting on a motion for injunctive relief from the plaintiffs in that lawsuit. And that motion is just the, the plaintiffs asking for what they want the resolution to this lawsuit to be. Obviously, it's not a criminal suit. So, you know, we can't send the National Association of Realtors to jail or anything like that. But we have a damages award, which because it's a federal antitrust suit, gets trebled or tripled um, to roughly 5.3 billion. So we have that price tag looming over everything. And then we we still don't know what the plaintiffs are going to be asking for, whether it's just an end to NAR's participation rule, which requires um, listing agents or brokers to make a blanket offer of compensation to buyer brokers in order to list on a NAR-affiliated MLS, or if they will ask for the practice of cooperative compensation to go away completely, um, which would drastically change the industry. Um, and we're, we're not sure which way they're leaning at the moment. Obviously, if you go off of what is in the settlement agreements for Remax and Anywhere, and those settlement agreements um, involve the plaintiffs in Sitzer Burnett, Moral, and No Select. So the, the original three um, home seller filed commission lawsuits. Um, and though that um, those settlement agreements have preliminary approval. And in them, it doesn't specify that like cooperative compensation has to go away. Um, It's just this practice of having to, the requirement to make that blanket offer of compensation is kind of what they're hinting at, what they want to go away in those settlement agreements. Um, 
so, you know, based on that and what I've seen in some of the complaints for some of the copycat lawsuits and what those plaintiffs are asking for in their, um, when they're asking for injunctive relief in these complaints is, you know, one of them was specifically phrased, like, we don't want the requirement to offer compensation to exist, not the practice of cooperative compensation, but this requirement that you have to um, go through cooperative compensation. So if you we go through that, you know, I think that might be the way they're leaning. But again, we're not sure who knows what's going to happen. I mean, this whole process has been uh, definitely not what anyone really expected necessarily. They've been quite a few twists and turns and surprises. Um, so yeah, keeping tabs on that. As I said, the settlement agreements for Remax and Anywhere both have preliminary approval. We're uh, the hearing date for final approval on both of those was set for uh, May 9th of this year. And, you know, we've had a bunch of post-trial motions um, submitted by the, the three defendants who took part in the in the Sitzer Burnett trial filed. Um, you know, in them, they've asked for a new trial judgment for a matter, as a matter of law. And then Home Services also asked um, to decertify the class because it is a class action lawsuit. Um, the plaintiffs have until February 26th to reply on that or to those motions. And then there's a date in March in which the defendants get to then reply back on the, the, the plaintiff's replies. Um, so they have a bit of a time for back and forth. And then we're not expecting a final ruling really in this until, you know, probably May of this year. And then all the defendants have vowed to appeal. Um, so this is going to keep going. In the meantime, we have a pileup of copycat lawsuits, uh, which is quite impressive at this point. Um, since the start of 2024, so what, three weeks ago, we've already had four new copycat commission lawsuits filed, one in Arizona, one in Nevada, and two more in California. The one in Nevada is actually quite interesting um, as only associations, only realtor associations are named as defendants. In all of the other lawsuits, we have, you know, a combination now of like NAR, maybe a local realtor organization or the state realtor organization, maybe even a local MLS or two, and then some brokerages or even real estate teams. Um, so that lawsuit I find really fascinating just because of who is named. Obviously, they could amend the complaint and add some brokerages, um, but that one's definitely interesting. But we have... A ton of other lawsuits. Um, recently, nine of the copycat lawsuits have asked to consolidate. Um, we'll see if that will happen. Obviously, this was something that was expected. Um, but, you know, they all are in different areas of the country. Um, two of them are in Texas. One's New York. We have South Carolina, two in Missouri, one in California, Pennsylvania, one in Georgia as well, um, that are all looking to consolidate. They have some specific um, defendants that are specific to each of those lawsuits. And there's some messiness with um, Remax and Anywhere being named or Remax and Anywhere franchises being named as defendants in some of these suits. And it's still unclear how their settlement agreements, you know, pertain to them being named in a new copycat lawsuit. Um, so waiting to see what happens with that. I think that is really interesting. I think one of the things that um, struck me uh, during the trial was that 
the the fact that some of these um, brokerages, some of these these large companies, and also some of the associations, I mean, they they really had distanced themselves from the National Association of Realtors, and presumably distanced themselves from that requirement. Um, and yet, you know, obviously the the jury didn't feel that, and we see in all these copycat lawsuits that it doesn't seem to matter um, what they've individually done. Um, it's just really interesting to me that that collusion seems to be the overarching thing, but it's it's hard to prove, uh, it, or it would seem hard to prove, except it wasn't when it came down to the trial. There was so you know in the trial they they said there was no you know smoky back room, you know there was no like. Um, you know, thing where they all got together. In fact, there was no smoking gun where they could point to like, oh, here's the email that went out to everybody. Here's the memo that everybody got, or here's the agreement everybody made. Yeah, definitely. I was talking with um, a real estate industry uh, educator. He's a professor at a university and teaches real estate. And he was like, real estate agents can't even decide where to go to lunch when they meet up together. How are they going to decide on what to set the commission at? So I thought that was an interesting perspective. But yes, as you said, there's not really any smoking gun in these lawsuits. And so what the complaints are pointing at as the quote unquote smoking gun is NARS participation rule or in the some of the lawsuits, NAR is not named as a defendant, um, but these other MLSs or, yeah, the other MLSs that are named instead that are not affiliated with the National Association of Realtors, some of them have rules in place or at the time of um, when the plaintiff sold their property um, had a rule in place that did have similar requirements to NAR's participation rule. And so they're kind of using that as quote unquote evidence of collusion or alleged collusion um, in these lawsuits or in the complaints for the lawsuits. Um, but, you know, obviously we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, we're still waiting on trials in the no select lawsuit, um, but the Department of Justice has gotten involved in that lawsuit um, as MLS PIN, which is one of the um, defendants in that lawsuit looked to was trying to settle um, their portion of the lawsuit, and the Department of Justice did not like the settlement agreement that they had put in place, and so the DOJ got involved. Um, an amended settlement agreement was put out. DOJ didn't like that, so um, still waiting on probably a second amended settlement agreement um, and something to happen with that. The moral lawsuit we were initially expecting to go to trial. Um, in Q1 of this year, that's definitely not going to happen. We know that. Um, no date has been set, but people are generally expecting Q4 of this year, maybe. Um, so that is actually the first lawsuit that was filed in like March of 2019. So, you know, the plaintiffs and the defendants in that suit have been on quite the journey um, going on almost five years now. And I think people are getting eager to have something happen with that lawsuit. And, you know, we did this week um, or last week, sorry, see for the first time one of these lawsuits um, was dismissed. We had the second lawsuit filed in New York, which was Friedman, uh, which named Real Estate Board of New York and a lot of local brokerages um, was dismissed. And so that was interesting. I have been calling around. I still don't have any information on why that lawsuit was dismissed, but I think it's very interesting um, that it was ultimately dismissed. 
you know, just a, a programming note here. If you're listening and you're like, I, my head is spinning. I can't keep track of all this. You're not alone. We set up a um, commission lawsuits landing page that is archived all the stories that we've covered. It also has a really cool timeline on the top that um, is, you know, it tracks all the different lawsuits and the timeline of those. And then you can click in to get more information. Um, and then all of Brookley's um, really extensive coverage of these different suits is underneath that in, in chronological order. So you can really kind of see how things are unfolding. I'm also moderating a debate on Friday this, this week um, between the plaintiff's attorney, Michael Ketchmark, and Anthony Lamacchia, who is a, a realtor and outspoken advocate, um, owner of Lamacchia Realty, who really wanted to debate Anthony about some of the things that came up in trial. So I would definitely um, encourage, we have thousands of people already signed up for that. Uh, we know of watch parties that are happening on that. Um, we are we are all prepared for that. It's going to be interesting. So um, this is all part of our desire to really offer coverage that that sheds some light here when there are there's so much going on. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, our I use our commission landing page and the timeline that our, our data journalist will made to keep track of everything because I get confused sometimes and I'm the journalist covering all of this. It's just, there's been so many copycat lawsuits that it is incredibly hard to keep everything straight. So it's a great resource. I think the interesting, uh, another interesting part to me is, you know, you mentioned the Department of Justice getting involved and I thought that was very interesting. It also kind of throws, you know, um, people were worried about the settlements that were made before the Sister Burnett trial, you know, went to went to court and, and the jury found them liable that, you know, we had these other defendants that had settled and it was like, well, is the Department of Justice going to come in and decide that it doesn't like those settlements? Like there's that, I think that's an, an added uncertainty hanging over all of these cases. Absolutely. There's, I mean, obviously they have preliminary approval, but they don't have final approval. And everyone's kind of waiting on pins and needles to see if the Department of Justice gets involved. Um, the Department of Justice already is in the process of an appeal on whether or not it can investigate National Association of Realtors. There's this ongoing feud between NAR and the DOJ. Um, and there's there's a lot of concern and a lot of thought that the DOJ may become involved. Um, there's also been talk about the FTC or CFPB potentially um, taking a look at these commission lawsuits. I haven't heard much about that in a couple of months, so um, I don't think that's as likely. The Department of Justice is definitely the one that I would expect. If someone's going to get involved, it's probably going to be the Department of Justice. But it is good news that the, the two settlement agreements from REMAX and Anywhere both have preliminary approval. And I think, um, you know, a lot of people are taking at least some form of comfort in that. Um, and, you know, there's definitely still some uncertainty of how exactly these settlement agreements will protect the firms and obviously all of their franchises and franchisees moving forward. But, you know, I definitely think it's, it's a good source of comfort for both of these firms. So we have seen um, the National Association of Realtors, we've seen state associations, we've seen individual companies, we've seen MLSs, all of these have been named in, in various lawsuits. Have we seen any individual realtors, though, that have been named in any of these lawsuits? 
not that I am aware of. We have had real estate teams named um, in a couple of lawsuits. I know in particular the two in Texas, which are QJ Team and Martin, they both named um, real estate teams. Um, so that's definitely an interesting twist. Um, there's definitely some concern that uh, some of the liability could be passed down onto individual agents or brokers um, because especially considering how large the damages amounts are in these lawsuits, if, you know, the real estate industry is found liable. Um, but that that remains to be seen. Um, you know, th there are a lot of unknowns right now, which is definitely challenging for a lot of people in the industry, obviously it's already, it's been a tough market for a couple of years now, um, you know, with the, the massive slowdown that we saw in 2022. Um, so there's, you know, that's been a challenge and now all of this added uncertainty is definitely uh, a hardship for a lot of people in the industry. So one of the big questions is, even if you look at just the damages that were, um, you know, assigned in the, um, as a result of the Sitzer Burnett trial, it's hard to imagine how much more money there is in the real estate world, especially if you, if you think, um, you know, NAR and those two companies have to pay that amount. Um, it's hard to see how they would even do that, like how much money there is in the system to to wring out of it, much less these dozens of copycat lawsuits. What is the thinking as far as like, you know, if you're the 25th lawsuit in this, how do you think you're even going to get paid? That is a great question. Um, between National Association of Realtors, Keller Williams and Home Services of America, they absolutely do not have $5.3 billion laying around in order to pay off this damages award if, you know, the appeal doesn't go through or the appeal doesn't change the verdict and like this is what it is. Um, obviously, they can ask the judge to lessen the damages amount, um, which they, depending on how it all shakes out, you know, if it's definitely not in their favor, they will do. Um, but in the Gibson lawsuit, which is just one of them, and it's not even the largest one, um, the potential damages award in that is up to $200 billion. And yes, there are more um, defendants named in that suit, but no one has $200 billion laying around. So, um, you know, with some of these smaller lawsuits, um, and we have seen some personal injury lawyers get involved, really, they're looking for a settlement, basically. Um, and that's kind of what they're hoping for, um, to just get a little bit of money. Um, you know, if I'm Remax or anywhere and I paid um, like 56 million or 83 and a half million, if or this is what anywhere paid um, as my settlement, I would feel like I'd be getting a pretty good bargain at this point. Um, and some of these other brokerages and firms or MLSs or realtor associations that were named in some of these subsequent suits may look at that and go, you know what? instead of paying all this money in legal fees moving forward and potentially risking billions of dollars in damages, maybe we'll just settle. Um, and that ultimately might be what happens. Um, but I haven't heard any talk about anyone settling anything coming up, but we never know. I think there's just so much up in the air, right? Um, we have to wait and see how some of this works its way through the court system because obviously all those copycat lawsuits were a result of this giant 
um, you know, verdict in Sitzer Burnett. Um, and I'll, you know, that everyone jumping on board, if we see some, you know, uh, either an appeal going through or, or different uh, trials being settled differently with different outcomes, you might see a, a really different landscape following that, right? Because what we know is that people are jumping on the bandwagon, hoping to get some of that money. Yes, definitely. And I mean, these lawsuits uh, were just filed in late 2023 or early 2024. You know, we're still dealing with lawsuits filed in 2019 that have not gone to trial. So, you know, if these lawsuits continue progressing, um, we might not be seeing a trial for these until 2030. And who knows what will have happened by then in the industry. That is crazy to think about. Um, you know, I know that during the Sister Burnett trial, the plaintiff's lawyer said that he had been working on this for six years. Um, you know, so you just think about how long these things take to get even to, you know, the point where we can um, have anything happen. So in the meantime, if you're in real estate, you're, you're just trying to do your job. You're just trying to, you know, sell homes and, uh, uh, or help your buyers find homes. And, uh, it's just, it's, it's interesting to an interesting time to be in either the industry or even in leadership in the industry. So, so many of the people at the state association level and the national level, I mean, they still run their own companies. They're still right in the mix of it. Um, and you know, it's hard to know what's coming next. Definitely. And it's, it's been challenging for a lot of those brokerage and association leaders. Um, I know a lot of them were frustrated by um, kind of how the National Association of Realtors has handled the situation. Um, the rhetoric going into the Sitzer Burnett suit was, you know, publicly that we're going to be fine. There's nothing to worry about. This will come out in our favor. Um, and a lot of them felt that when that wasn't the case, there was no backup plan in place to deal with it. And for, you know, agents and brokers to know if as a result of this verdict, that there were things they needed to change in their daily practice. While we, as I said, we don't have the motion for injunctive relief. So in theory, like it's business as usual right now, as we're kind of waiting for this, people want to be prepared and um, yeah, not, not caught in the same situation again. And so in talking with a lot of, a lot of agents and brokers, there's um, a lot more openness about, you know, talking about commissions and how agents are compensated and being really clear with clients of like how the whole system works um, and that, you know, commissions are negotiable. Um, also, in a lot of places, um, buyer agency agreements weren't a thing. And so now in those places, these buyer agency agreements have, you know, come into practice. And so just getting agents on board with using them, being comfortable using them, being comfortable having those conversations with clients um, has been some of the, the big changes um, that I've heard about and seen um, from different agents and brokers. But it's, it's hard to prepare for something when you don't know what the outcome is going to be. And so you know, they're preparing for the unknown, but they still want to be in the best place possible. So if things don't work out in their favor, they're in a better place than they would be if there was no preparation at all. Those are great points. Well, Brooklyn, thank you again for just keeping us all up to date on, on what the latest is. You're, you're scouring all those uh, legal websites. You know exactly what's going on. We appreciate it. And uh, we will have you on again soon. Sounds good. Thanks so much.
Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.